0: All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Pigskin Report, brought to you by Mr. Lube. Stop in now for an oil change. No appointment necessary. Be winter ready at one of their nine Edmonton locations. Check out MrLube.com as we welcome in Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News. Uh, Morning, Michael. How are you today?
1: Morning, Kevin. I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: Oh, just great. Thanks for being with us. And uh, boy, everyone really looking forward to this game tonight, especially what happened with the Cowboys uh, last Sunday what kind of uh, response are you expecting from the Cowboys?
1: You know it's it's really hard to, for me frankly to say uh, because I, I just didn't see that result the other the other, the other day in terms of 42-10 to 10, uh, loss to the 49ers I just didn't see that coming uh, I thought that this team you know physically mentally would be able to rise to that no doubt of challenge uh, better than it did and so you know, this is a team uh, under Mike McCarthy or the, over the years, a franchise that typically has responded well. I believe they won nine of their past ten games when coming off of a loss. But um, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, they've, they, they've, they've lost two games this season in, in the past three weeks. Uh, both of them are on the road. Uh, one in the Cardinals, they laid an egg there. Uh, another one to the Niners, again, laid an egg. And now here they are on the road again, and, uh, you know, right before their bye. And they're missing defensive leader and linebacker, Leighton Vanneress. He's got a neck injury. They're missing their special team's ace, C.J. Goodwin. He's got a torn pec. And so there's, there's a bit of a leadership void as well that, that needs to be filled. So I, I don't know how they're going to respond. I'm very curious to find out.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting for sure as the uh, Cowboys take on the L.A. Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Um, what do you think the, uh, you know, split will be fan-wise. I mean, the Cowboys always travel well fan-wise, and so far, as we all know, when the Chargers are playing there, it's almost like a home game for the away team. What will that atmosphere be like tonight?
1: Yeah, I think it no doubt should be pro-Cowboys. It, really, it's a question of, of what the differential will be. I would, My expectation would be 65-35. <laughs> Cowboys fans, the Chargers fans, maybe 70-30. Um, it'll, it'll be heard. It'll, it'll be felt. Uh, you know, the Cowboys were playing the Chargers at the Chargers' uh, first regular season game at SoFi Stadium uh, years ago. And I remember that the, char- the Chargers, you know, we would have thought were on the road. And, and the Cowboys didn't need to be on their silent count at all. And, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. You know, I used to cover the Chargers for seven years. And so I have a bit of empathy for what, you know, is a bit of a reality for those mm-hmm. in the organization's. Uh, where they just don't have the fan support when they're at home that so often uh, just about everywhere else in the league you you, you see, and so it's it's the reality of 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 where the Chargers are uh, certainly the reality of being um, a, a small fish in a very large pond here in Los Angeles, and until they win a Super Bowl, and even then it might take a, a little bit more than just one of them. <laughs> um, they, they just need to establish a tradition and establish more goodwill here uh, in this this area. Of Southern California. They had it in San Diego to some mm-hmm. level, but even then, toward the end, when when the franchise was pushing for relocation, uh, you know, San Diego had enough.
0: Michael Gilkins, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Michael covers the Dallas Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. Uh, uh, so, Michael, was there a little frustration? I guess, and you kind of penned a few things with C.D. Lamb uh, with his usage uh, recently, and kind of parlay that into how the response has been with Dak Prescott.
1: Yeah, there's definitely been frustration from him. I think there's been frustration from pretty much every single Cowboys wide receiver. Uh, You look at the way that these first five games have gone, and, you know, Mike McCarthy, you know, he cares about completions, but he also cares a whole lot about rush attempts. And he wants to control the clock, he wants those long drives that ideally, with better red zone efficiency than the Cowboys have experienced this year, uh, will end up in touchdowns. And, you know, with some of the games they played, you know, their, their three wins have all been really, really lopsided. Um, you know, just blowing out the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets. And, and, and so you're not having those, those negative game scripts in your, your two minute offense for the bulk of the second half. And it hasn't been a lot of that sort of situations that have come up. So, um, yeah, CD Lamb's numbers are, are down. Um, and his, you know, you'll get a, his, uh, his catch total. He's had fewer than five catches in four of the five games this season. He had fewer than five yeah. catches just twice all of last year. And so he feels it, and when you're losing the Niners and you believe that you can contribute more than you're allowed the opportunity to do so, that frustration really boils over, which is what we saw in the second half uh, when Dak Prescott throws three interceptions in a five-throw span after having just one interception uh, you know, the first four games. Three interceptions in a, in a, in a five-throw span. You know, C.D. Lins' body language and each of them were not targeted. Uh, it was it was hard to miss on film. It was hard to miss on the sideline. Uh, you know, he wants the ball. And the Cowboys know that it's important to get him involved because he is their best wide receiver by a long shot.
0: Michael Gilkin is our guest on Sports 1440 from the Dallas Morning News. How much is Brandon Cooks been trying to I guess, help this along to kind of ease everything in uh, as long, uh, you know, to kind of get C.D. Lamb and Prescott, all everyone all one big happy family, kind of, so to speak.
1: Yeah, Brandon Cook has been an extraordinary addition from uh, just having him in the room. I, I think the Cowboys wide receiver room at times would probably be pretty toxic without him um, or just not really being able to reach his potential without him, for sure. Uh, you know, it started in the offseason where Jalen Colbert was a, a wide receiver that Cowboys drafted uh, last year in the third round, and he did next to nothing uh, as a rookie. And his confidence was pretty much destroyed, and he really had to rebuild himself. And Brandon Cooks was, Cook was in his ear uh, really since his March acquisition in the trade from the Houston Texans and really just helped him along. And, and now Colbert is, is, is right there as the number four wide receiver who arguably should play more on offense. Um, and then likewise, you know, coming off a week like the Cowboys just had, we Lamb's Lamb's extremely frustrated. Like no one, on the, mm-hmm. as a receiver's go in Dallas, should be more frustrated than Brandon Cook. He's been targeted 19 times this season. You know, he only has nine catches. Uh, he, was, uh, he was targeted on three of Prescott's four interceptions this season and didn't have a chance on either, any one of them mm-hmm. um, just because of poor placement, poor decision-making by Prescott. And so he just hasn't been able to get going at all. Uh, yet you see his lack of selfishness. You see the lack of attention that he's brought to himself. You see how on T.D. Lamb's longest catch this past week against the Niners, the reason he was so open was because Brandon Cooks was running a for love of the game route, straight go up the right seam, and took two defenders with him. And because he was carrying those defenders, it opened up a, 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 you know, an easy separation for, for Lamb to be found by Prescott. So, you know, Cooks has just done everything the right way, except for pro- except for production, which, mm-hmm. of course, is the name of the game. But you know, it, it does count for something when, when you're going through the situations the Cowboys have gone through with C.D. Lamb, is that he's got a, a voice in his ear uh, of a Brandon Cooks, someone who had yeah. six 1,000 yard seasons in his ledger, who can tell him, "Hey, trust the process; it's going to be okay," and just kind of cool cool the head there, and ultimately, the cooler minds the Cowboys hope will prevail.
0: For sure. Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News is our guest on Sports 1440. So it looks like the Chargers will have Austin Eckler back. Uh, what is the Cowboys' defensive game plan for one of the most dynamic uh, running backs in the league?
1: Obviously, you have to account for him. He had 107 receptions last year, which tied for second most in NFL history. Um, so you, you have to respect the dimension that the, Cowboy, or pardon me, the Chargers have. Uh, returned to their offense. You know, when, when Eckler was out, you know, for three games uh, with a high angle strain, you know, they, they they didn't have you know anyone who could really threaten defenses out of the backfield. But they have that now with Eckler's return. And so you mm-hmm. have to know where he is. You have to you know often treat him like a wide receiver. Uh, you know, you have to you know, be a safety, J. Ron Curse or, or whomever. Uh, you know, you might need to fiddle him out of the back. You just have, you, you really got to be cognizant. Of him understanding that Justin Herbert really likes to go in his direction as a you know as an outlet underneath. So um, you know the game plan it starts there. Obviously the, the fine finer aspects of it, you know, as much as access, as much access that the Cowboys afford me, they do not allow me into their position room. play. So I can't tell you exactly what they're mm-hmm. going to do, but that's the general sense. Is, is, is just understanding where he is and, and treat him like a receiver, respect his ability, and then making sure you get the personnel. Uh, be it you up in your safety, your safeties are probably the ones to do it. Uh, who are have to match up with
0: them? We're speaking with uh, Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News on uh, Sports 1440. Uh, what about the Cowboys offensive line? What do they have to do to deal with a guy like, say, Khalil Mack, who had man six sacks, couple of forced fumbles uh, in week number four? Um, just uh, can you touch on that preparation and execution? Uh, what they're going to be looking at uh, from a Dallas perspective with the heat that the Chargers are going to bring?
1: Yeah, well, first you have to help out your offensive line. And so that could be you know, using the tight ends, be it Jake Ferguson or otherwise, to chip one of those guys. And, and mm-hmm. it sounds like Joey Bosa is going to return tonight, uh, which, you know, which is obviously a big deal yeah. for Los Angeles. So uh, you, you can't just completely slide the protection one way uh, towards Khalil Mack coming off of his six-sack game when you've got Joey Bosa on the other side to hold you accountable. And so you're going to have to try a bunch of different things. And ultimately, you're going to have to trust your offensive line. Maybe, you know, you know Tony Pollard is, is very trusted in pass protection, mm-hmm. as is Rico Dattle, the number two back. So this might not be a, a, a game where you're going to see a lot of Deuce Vaughn, the Cowboys' 6th round draft pick, who's, uh, you know, very undersized and, and, and just isn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be in a position mm-hmm. for success if you were to put him out there and ask him to block either Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack. So um, just being smart with your personnel and, and again, getting rid of the football uh, you know, being on time for Prescott. You know, hitting Stevie Lamb underneath. You know, some slants and crossers You know, doing things uh, to allow your playmakers to to make some. Uh, you know, make a difference after the catch. I, I think that's that's a big part of this game. Ultimately, you need to be able to run the football, and, and the Cowboys felt they didn't do enough of that against the Niners, where they are a little too east and west enough, to just, you know, downhill pounding. Uh, you know, the 49ers. So mm-hmm. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be surprised as well as you see some of that approach uh, from Dallas tonight.
0: Uh, Michael Gilkins, our uh, guest on Sports 1440. Uh, for all the years you've covered this team, what's it like covering the Dallas Cowboys on a day-to-day basis? I mean, we used to have a, a, a player on the Oilers here, uh, Doug Waite. was his name, uh, an exceptional uh, hockey player for the Oilers. And there was an old phrase that the reporters used to say, you know, if Doug Waite uh, passed gas and farted, uh, we sent three cameras. But, I mean, the to, the to the magnitude of what the Cowboys are, What's it like for you to be with this team on a daily basis?
1: Well, I am fortunate to have covered two other NFL franchises, so that gives me a bit of perspective. So I, I covered the, the Raiders for two and a half, and as I mentioned before, I covered the Chargers for seven years. And this is my fifth season in Dallas, and I think the job is probably 90%, 95% the same. Okay. Um, but that, that 10 to 5%, It's pretty noticeable when the owner's on the radio (laughs) twice a week or the owner's on, you know, after the game, you know, before the head coach is speaking or maybe while the head coach is speaking, he's luring reporters away from the head coach because he's talking for 15, 20 minutes outside the locker room. Mm -hmm. You know, that availability of Jerry Jones and, and, you know, what is he going to say and it moves the needle, you know, it still does. Uh, you know that is, is is different. You know that's not something that I experienced with with Dean Spanos in San Diego or, mm-hmm. uh, or or Mark Davis in Oakland, not Las Vegas. So that that's that's all definitely different. And then as well it's just you know they're, they're so they're so relevant and they're so visible, and they're, mm-hmm. you know, people are talking about them on on national TV shows way more than they should. And and, and sometimes things are said that you know create a ripple, be it Richard Sherman calling. C.D. Lamb and non-upper echelon wide receiver, whatever his exact terminology was. Not saying he's a true number one. Yeah. Those sorts of things pop up a little more than they would otherwise. So, yeah, I think that the outside and, and things that Jerry Jones. There's a lot of talk. There's mm-hmm. a lot more talk around this team than I'm used to, and so that that that's a change. That's that's the five to ten percent that I feel
0: for sure. So, what will it be like for you? Um, you know. Covering the two teams, I guess. Basically, you said seven years with the Chargers, uh, but being in LA and covering the Cowboys, what's it going to be like for you tonight to cover this game?
1: Yeah, it's a little. It's always a little different. Um, obviously, when I was covering the Raiders, I, I, I saw the, the Chargers, you know, twice a year. It's it's uh you know you have a lot of relationships as a reporter um you know I don't mean necessarily I'm not talking like friendships but like relationships professionally that like you know people that you, you speak to around the league but when it's a team that you covered for so long it's 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 a little bit more pronounced so um, yeah I think there's probably more conversations I might have you know uh, pregame postgame with with people than I typically would for an away team uh, or you know for me yeah. on the road uh, this is obviously the game is in Los Angeles a home team. Um, so that, that part of it is, is different, but ultimately it's, it's just it's kind of another game as a sports writer on deadline, hoping it isn't going to overtime.
0: <laughs> isn't that the truth for all of us? Isn't that the case? Hey, uh, thanks for uh, being a part of our show tonight, Michael. Uh, enjoy the game tonight and uh, thanks for uh, coming on.
1: My pleasure, Kevin. Have a good one.
0: Yeah, you too. That's Michael Gilkin from the Dallas Morning News. Big Monday nighter. Cowboys, Chargers, SoFi Stadium. Uh, That was the Pigskin Report brought to you by Mr. Lube. Be winter ready at mrlube.com. When we come back, Pete Weber, Nashville Predators play-by-play. That's on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the puck report brought to you by Fountain Tile Tire. Right now during Road Ready Sales event, you can book up the 25% on select tires and a bonus of fifty dollars off any service until October 21st. Book your pon- appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions apply. As we welcome in Pete Weber, the Nashville Predators play by play man for, well, since day one, Peter. Nice to talk to you. How are you? Uh, it's been a long time since we had a chat, but always good talking to you. How are yeah. you?
2: It has been a long time. <clears throat> I'm doing well, thank you. And Congratulations on the relaunch of Sports Radio in Edmonton.
0: Well, appreciate those comments because uh, there was a bit of a lull, as you know, and uh, we're back and we're really uh, enjoying what we've done so so far. But first and foremost for you, I think all our listeners and all, everyone in the hockey world wants to know how how's your health right now because a few months ago you had to go through some times. But how, how are you feeling? How are you doing right now?
2: I feel great. Uh, unfortunately, last Wednesday, after we returned from the season opener in Tampa, I tested positive for COVID. Uh, I've never had anything stronger than the symptoms of a a light cold. Mm -hmm. So so I'm going to have to sit out for a few more days and then uh, get back on the air with the team on Saturday. But yes, I had shunt surgery uh, the first week of January, which was a total remediation of my problem of a lack of balance Mm -hmm. that I had had. And, uh, I got to give thanks to the surgeons for all of that, and uh, also thanks to Commissioner Bettman for calling me the morning as I was being released from the hospital.
0: Oh, simply amazing! Well, it's so so great to hear that uh, uh, what you went through because everyone was kind of worried about you, and it was a, a well, basically it was a kind of a, a quick uh, surgery, correct? And you were in and out of the hospital quite quickly.
2: It was January ninth. Yeah. The surgery lasted maybe forty-five minutes, Okay. and I was released the next morning. Yeah, oh. so. The expert a uh, doctoring that I got uh, just cannot be overlooked.
0: Well, we're just so grateful that uh, everything worked out and you're back in the booth for sure. So 25 years. The first time we met, I was lucky enough to do uh, Oilers uh, fill-in color uh, yep. with uh, with uh, Rod Phillips, uh, you know, 20 years ago and stuff. And, and um, a lot of the games that the Oilers did back then were the pay-per-view games, which were in Nashville at the time. So Nashville was a yes. lot many games that we did. So uh, I got to, to meet you and talk to you, and I, I always remember that you know, between yourself and Terry Crisp, you just welcomed uh, everyone into Nashville in with open arms. So thank you for that. Uh,
2: so, And I think it has to be pointed out that Terry Crisp, in spite of his Calgary ties, <laughs> did that to you guys.
0: Yeah, I think he was trying to butter everyone up, right?
2: <laughs> it's like when we used to walk down Jasper uh, for lunch or something. And Terry said, now, you walk on the other side of the street, the guy might be a bad shot.
0: <laughs> um. Why do you think the two of you had such great chemistry for all those years?
2: I wish I could really tell you. I think maybe the best person to talk about it would be our former director of communications here, Jerry Helper. I had worked with Jerry with the Sabres, and he had worked with Jerry with the Lightning. And he just detected that there was something, some commonality there that would uh, help us work out so well together. And uh, that was a good read, a very good read. That was probably better than any weatherman possibly could have done. Uh,
0: What was it about his, uh, I think, his sense of humor? And you know how quirky, I mean, when he would say stuff on the air, you would play off of him and he would play off you. And, I mean, it's just that special relationship. It doesn't happen very often. So you must have been just. No, it doesn't. Yeah.
2: It doesn't. And, Kevin, I I was very grateful for that. And uh, we're trying, I'm going to have my 1,000th, it has to be recalculated now, Predators broadcast coming up. In the next few weeks, yeah. and we're going to try to set it up so that Terry is working that game with
0: me. Oh, amazing! So, um, he, I think I was reading somewhere where um, he was calling you every, you know, every day for, you know, in January, and you finally said, you know, I'm just monitoring the call. I'm not picking it up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jokingly, I've never of course. done
2: that with calls from Terry. <laughs> I've always picked up because okay. uh, now there are a number of other calls, and in this day and age. It seems like every third call to someone trying to get me to sell my house. <laughs> and uh, I just assume not do that right
0: now. Oh. Um, so what's it been like for you, Pete, from the, you know, 25 years when the Predators came in the league and you yep. saw the growth of the franchise to where it is now? You must be just ecstatic how you've seen hockey grow in Nashville.
2: I really am. and And it goes from opening night where the standing ovation for the first face-off And, you know, unfortunately, that standing ovation was greeted with a a shutout loss to Kirk McClain and the Florida Panthers. But then the next home game, the man who's now behind the bench for the Preds, Andrew Brunette, scored the first goal in team history. And the man who was coached then, Barry Trotz, is now the general manager. So it's been like a a family-like development uh, going across the 25 years. And as a matter of fact, uh, at tomorrow night's game, there's going to be a bunch of early day front office predators employees gathering hmm. and i'm going to be part of that tomorrow night
0: well that's going to be cool just to see all those old faces for all the years
2: well this is an old face the other <laughs> ones i don't know about
0: <laughs> well it's the old saying eh? if you don't look in the mirror everyone's you know the same age right that's right. That's no, right. Exactly. Um, when you work with all the people over the years and now you've worked with all the, the color guys and the producers and things like that, can you kind of speak to the family of the broadcasting? Uh, you know, the other thing that I, I was noticing, you know, just the, the people that started 25 years ago listening to to you, now they've got the 10-year-old kids that are listening to you. It's the the decades of, of, of being in someone's home or on the radio or on the TV, et cetera, like that.
2: And there's one child even earlier, Kevin, or even older than that. Uh, It was U.S. Thanksgiving weekend. So you played at home on a Wednesday and then came back on a Saturday. On a Wednesday night, this very pregnant lady came up with her husband to say hello. And then on Saturday, they came in with the little one. Uh, So there's 25 years right there going back to 1998. But it has been exciting to see these youngsters grow up get involved in the game, and the fact that we have constructed so many rinks around here and given them the chance to actually Mm -hmm. play the game, too, I think has contributed greatly to the growth of the game in Middle
0: Tennessee. Well, for sure. Nashville Predators play-by-play man Pete Weber is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports uh, 1440. Uh, Before you got into hockey, Pete, you did all other kinds of play-by-play. Can you kind of run us through all of those uh, sports that you enjoyed doing so much and then how you got into kind of hockey?
2: Okay. Hockey actually was the one where I got uh, to the NHL first with the LA Kings in 98. And it was subsequent to all of that where I got into baseball, basketball, football, uh, lacrosse, for that example, Mm -hmm. and and doing in various cities. So it was hockey in Los Angeles, hockey in Buffalo, hockey here in Nashville. And then it was... Baseball in Albuquerque, baseball in Rochester, New York, baseball in Buffalo, New York. And that took me about 20 years right there. (laughs) Uh, So I have done roughly uh, 2,500 hockey games and a like number of baseball games at the minor league level and uh, tossed in my good fortune to be in the Buffalo Bills broadcast booth. Might not have felt so fortunate last (laughs) night, but they got through it. Uh, There was a classic thing from Sanford and Son with uh, Fred Sanford holding his chest in response to the end of that game last (laughs) night, and I fully understood that. But to be on those four Super Bowl broadcast teams from 90 through 93 was a special experience for me as well. And the great thing is all the people that I have met along the way, basically I am still in touch with Mm that they are still with us. And that has been a tremendously edifying experience for me.
0: Is hockey a lot harder to do, um, like, as a play-by-play man? Uh, Baseball, Mm -hmm. you've got the, you know, there's that ebb and flow, the the time in between. Hockey's so fast. Can you explain the differences uh, for you when you were doing the games?
2: Sure. And especially now, since uh, we had the the lockout that cost us a full hockey season and the speed-up rules to the game that have followed since, Mm -hmm. you don't have a chance to tell stories in hockey now, not unless... There's a glass breakage, and when's the last one of those you can remember? Uh, so it just doesn't happen. But then you have to wait for the intermission. In baseball, you are constantly telling stories, and uh, there is no better practitioner of that than Vince Scully, mm-hmm. uh, who we lost a, you know, a couple of years ago. But he was fantastic to listen to. I had great mentors. Uh, let me see, the Hall of Famers I've worked with in hockey, uh, that would be Bob Miller with the Kings, that would be Chuck Caton, uh, retired with the Carolina Hurricanes, Rick Jenneret, who we just lost yep. a few weeks ago, unfortunately, and Ted Darling, who was his mentor, the first voice of the Buffalo Sabres. So I've been really lucky, the people I've had the chance to uh, brush across their greatness. And then in Los Angeles, I was hired by the one, the only, Chick Hearn.
0: Wow. I mean... You're just you're bringing up broadcast legend after broadcast legend as we speak with uh, Pete Weber, uh, Nashville Predators play-by-play man, and the one name you brought up is Vin Scully, and I mean I guess that's the benchmark, would you say?
2: Oh, without any question, and Bob Miller, because of heart difficulties, had to retire from the Kings in his what his forty-fourth year, and he had been asked just a few weeks before that if he aspired to go as long as Vin uh, did. He said, "Well, if I do that, I'm going to have to be like ninety-seven years old before I retire." So uh, that gives you an idea of the impact, the longevity, and if you're that good for that long, you are Hall of Fame material without any question whatsoever. I was lucky to be at Vin's uh, Cooperstown Induction, and that was, folks, roll the clock back. That was 1982.
0: What was that like?
2: Standing under a tree in front of the Hall of Fame library, with my recorder held up to one of the speakers so I could catch his entire speech. Then I sent Vinny the speech, and uh, he sent me this beautiful handwritten note afterwards thanking me for that. Uh, I think every broadcaster owes a debt of gratitude to Vin Scully, whether they knew of him or not, simply because of how he, let's just use this verb now, trailblazed this whole situation.
0: No, oh, I mean, you couldn't say it any better uh, for sure as we're guesting with uh, Pete Weber from the uh, Nashville Predators uh, play-by-play team. And um, so um, you also did, and I think a lot of people maybe aren't totally uh, familiar with, but the 1984 Olympics. Um, yes. What was that like?
2: That was great. I had the chance to work uh, with... Uh, when you get right down to it, what was a, a Hall of Famer right there and uh, Tony Roberts, okay. who was our anchor for, it was then Mutual Radio, now Westwood One, hmm. going over to Sarajevo. And one of my college buddies was the head of Mutual Sports at that time, the, the late Griffin. And we went over there and uh, they wanted me because German is my second language oh. and that's the second language in Yugoslavia at the time. And I could help them navigate around a little bit more easily, perhaps, than someone else could have. But I did use my German expertise (laughs) to write notes for uh, uh, our our downhill skiing uh, reporter who was going on to the World Cup circuit the week after Sarajevo Olympics had concluded. And I gave him notes to read out to people that were somewhat incriminating, and uh, I later on had to call and get him out of trouble.
0: Man, fascinating stuff. Was there a big um, because of after what happened in, in Lake Placid Miracle on Ice? Yeah, what, what was that like? That four year span there, I guess, going to serial.
2: Well, it was the the year of the big disappointment for Lou Vero, who had to follow in the footsteps of Herb Brooks four years later, and he had a much younger team. Now they was it was still that period of time before pros were participating. But the number one line for Team USA had Patty LaFontaine, mm-hmm. David A. Jensen, and this guy named Ed Olchick. I don't know if you've heard of him recently. <laughs> but uh, he was the winger on that line. And there's a defenseman named Chris Chelios. He didn't last very long. We know that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that team, what, finished sixth in the Olympics that year. And uh, that was th- those Olympics were actually where I got my first chance to interact on a regular basis with Dave King, who was the Canadian national wow. coach.
0: And another legend. I mean, you're, you're just bringing them up one after another here, Pete.
2: It's nice to brush uh, brush <laughs> with all of them. I got to tell you.
0: Well, uh, for sure. And a legend right now in the in the NHL is Barry Trotz for sure. And I mean, I yep. know you guys are dear friends, and he's just. Uh, I mean, it's almost been a seamless transition for him to move from where he was coaching for all the years to the GM role there.
2: Yes, it is, and it, you know y- y- you can tell when guys have been thinking things through ahead of time. And Barry obviously was doing that. And I think where he got guys, he, he has a, a phrase that he's uh, instituted for all of us here. He wants serial winners. And we're not talking about breakfast. <laughs> he's talking about guys that know how to win. So he brings in your Luke Shenz. He brings in Ryan O'Reilly. He brings in Gustav Nyquist to help with the younger guys who have been left behind here and see – how they, he can help them make the transition to being everyday NHLers and everyday NHLers where they are being counted upon to produce. And uh, we're seeing that with uh, with Tommy Novak right now. We hope Luke Evangelista as well. And uh, see these guys who, for more all intents and purposes, carried this team that after uh, trade deadline last season and the team were sellers. And I, nobody knows that better than Edmonton fans with Matias Eccolm. Mm-hmm. When they saw that, they knew that uh, this group of youngsters carried the team to within a couple of points of a playoff spot and then took the, as the NHL season was over, took the Milwaukee Admirals to the Western Conference Final.
0: So tomorrow, Matthias Ekholm, I guess, returns as the Oilers play yes. um, the Predators. Uh, what do you make of that kind of return? I mean, he was uh, probably a very popular guy in the city for a long time.
2: Quite popular. He will have, I'm sure... Uh, A gorgeous video uh, tribute played for him tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to that along with other things. Uh, Matthias Ekholm actually earned the scorn of Barry Trotz in his first NHL game years and years ago at uh, Vancouver, Mm -hmm. and then uh, Trotz pulled back from that uh, right away. But uh, you know how coaches are always thinking short-term. Well, now he's a general manager and he's thinking long-term. And he saw what Matthias Ekholm was able to bring back to the Predators organization.
0: It was a good package, for sure. Uh, I got to just tell you a quick story, Pete, on Matthias. So I've hosted a golf tournament here for 20-odd years yeah. uh, for Easter Seals. And, uh, you know, we get celebrities and, and things like that. So it was in July, and, you know, I texted Matthias, and I said, can you play in this tournament? And he goes, well, you know, my wife's in the hospital, and she's going to have a baby, but we'll see how it goes. So I said, well, you know, I mean, I think that's pretty important. And anyway, he texted me back the day before, and he goes, you know what, I'll come out. And if something happens, then I'll just leave. So there, you know, his wife was giving birth to their next baby within hours. But he goes, you know, really? what? yeah, he goes, I'll come out. And I said, well, do you want to just come out and just hit some balls on my hole or whatever? And he goes, no, no, put me on a team, put me on a team. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny, that's the kind of guy Matthias Ekholm is. And he totally entrenched, yeah. has entrenched himself in the, the Edmonton community. We're lucky to have him. And so you know all about that. So
2: Absolutely. He is a, an outstanding individual. And uh, I can remember early days of him in training camps with the Predators, always willing to talk and wanting to engage in hockey talk. And I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, for sure. Pete Weber is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports uh, 1440. So just a quick uh, kind of umbrella type uh, general broad brush uh, on the Predator squad this year. Uh, What can Oiler fans kind of look at when they see this game tomorrow?
2: A young team uh, which has some of those veterans to whom I've alluded already who have a, just an outstanding goaltender. Uh, UC Saros mm-hmm. has been incredible here since picking up the mantle that was dropped in his lap with the retirement of Pekka Rene a few years ago. And uh, he's not as tall as Pecca, but uh, his economy of movement does a great job covering up uh, all things. And in many ways, we refer to him kind of like an old from of my basketball days there was a great nickname attributed to Marvin Webster, then of the Denver Nuggets, the Human Eraser. <laughs> uh, that's that's what U C has been for the Predators' defense. He has been the Human Eraser. So be prepared for him to make yeah. some, uh, as they used to say in the fire department game, the ten bell saves. Okay. And uh, that's that's what I would say to look forward to.
0: You've been lucky for twenty five years to have great goaltenders to call games. Yes, you know. I mean back to you know Thomas Vacoon and you know it's unreal that, that that luxury that you've had there.
2: Well and part of that was the guy who was a goaltending coach here for a long time. Yeah. He didn't make them great mm-hmm. but he was the one to be able to spy their abilities yeah. and turn it on over to the management and that was Mitch Torn yeah yeah, absolutely fantastic. and and of course, I was with Mitch in Buffalo and he had some guy named there named Hashi, <laughs> if you recall him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know what uh, uh, Pete uh, about two weeks ago we had Chris Mason on uh, as okay. our guest. Uh, Unfortunately, red Deer. yeah, Red Deer guy. So anyway, on Tuesdays, our co-host is Grant Fuhrer. And uh-huh. so he, he, he's, uh, does it from, uh, like he, you know, Grant's doing color for Coachella Valley, as you know. Um, right. And, uh, so anyway, Grant was off this Tuesday. So I, I was telling to, you know, talking to Chris and, you know, we brought up all his red deer stuff and he was talking about old coaches and I said, you know what, sorry, Chris, I, I'm just, I have to apologize on Tuesdays with you at this time, normally Grant fear would be on as our co-host. There was deadly silent. He was just <laughs> devastated. He was like, you got to be kidding me! He was like, uh, Chris was saying. He goes, "Well, I'll, the next time he's on, just phone me and I'll come on whenever you want." Because yeah,
2: make it Red Deer Spruce Grove Day. That would oh, be. a good Well, thing.
0: he just wanted to talk because I mean that was one of his idols growing up, you know. Yeah, being being
2: absolutely. From- and here's here's a story from me mm-hmm. about my broadcast career. My first year in the NHL, seventy-eight, seventy-nine, with the Kings. I am all pumped up. We are going to fly to Chicago the next day. And I'm going to get my first chance to broadcast a game, or so I thought, that Bobby Orr was going to play in. Uh, While we're on the way to the airport, Bobby announces his retirement in Chicago. And uh, so I got a chance to talk with Bobby Orr, but it was in the offices of uh, Don Murphy, upstairs of the old Chicago Stadium, as he had already gone to work for the organization, having retired. But with those knees, man, if we had had the medical expertise then that we have now mm-hmm. who knows he might still be going
0: unreal and I mean think about 1972 uh, for the yes. Summit Series he wasn't able to play he went to every game he was you know he's in the photo went to Russia with the team didn't play
2: and how about the 76 Canada Cup yes
0: 76 Canada Cup um, basically playing on one leg
2: yes and I loved Bobby Clark's talking about that, and said, that guy I can't believe he even put his skates on to go out for practice <laughs> Oh, man. And, uh if anybody, if you can earn the respect of a Bobby Clark, you've earned earned a lot right
0: there. Well, for sure, Pete. We could go on and on and on, couldn't we? And uh, th- I love these conversations. We barely talked about, you know, barely any X's and O's, et cetera. It was all about old times and things like that. So, appreciate your time. We'll see you when you get into Nash- or, uh, get into Edmonton uh, with the Predators. Appreciate your time. Thank
2: Pete. you, Kevin. Much appreciated.
0: All right, that's uh, Pete Weber, Nashville Predators play by play man. The Oilers are in Nashville. Pete, a little bit under the weather, but we'll be back doing the game. On the weekend, man, after a bit of a health scare uh, 10, 11 months ago, uh, back to 100%. And the NHL needs more Pete Weber's for sure. That was the uh, Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Doesn't really matter if there's snow on the ground yet. It's the temperature change that matters more as a signal to change your tires. When we come back, a little open text time with the Duke of Delburn, that and a whole bunch more, and then at the top of the hour, Michael McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City covering the uh, Phillies series, which is about to start uh, tonight against Arizona, and then at ten twenty, Lawal Uguak, Montreal Elouettes defensive lineman will elevate your game for Ram Lifts. All that and more coming up in just a bit on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 9.46 in Edmonton. Not a bad day today, looking a little gray, a little cloudy tomorrow, but good couple of days after that, uh, Corey chimes in about, uh, we were talking Bears football at the end of the um, interview with Ian Herbers. Uh, UBC lost to Calgary as well. He's very correct in that, so the Bears are all alone in first place when it comes to Canada West football. Alberta, 5-1 and one record. Saskatchewan, UBC, 4-2. in and and Manitoba, the alma mater of one. Fast Eddie Steele, three 3-3. Three, looking good. Uh, we'll see how things shape up. Two games left. Uh, the Bears are in prime position to, uh, well, host a playoff game for sure. So uh, that will be interesting. Text coming in, one 833 1440 Texter says... Uh, uh, ta, 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 ta. Oh, this is from Sparky Duke. Uh, uh, morning, uh, hi Kevin. I was at Century, uh, sitting next to Linda. Nice that you guys did that. My table had fun. I forgot to mention that my uh, connect- connection to Brent Sake, a buddy of ours, uh, high school buddy of mine. Nice show as always. Have a good day. That was Sparky B. Remember Sparky coming up to talk to us. And old Linda was, uh, yeah. She, we gave her one of those hats. She was never. I. She was so happy. I mean, it was unreal. It was good to see that table having some fun though. Um, but Duke, you had fun, didn't you? You had fun.
3: I had a great time, and um, I, I've said this on the show before, and I've said it on the, our fantasy frenzy with Connor Halley and myself that, like, I, I'm not an Oilers fan. I didn't grow up an Oilers fan. <laughs> I I I'm I am a Ducks fan, and so it's nice that knowing my team is really bad. Nice win yesterday wearing those slick new purple uh, 30th anniversary uniforms. But
0: uh, why do you like the Ducks?
3: When I
0: Is it like, is it the Michael Eisner Disney thing or what is
3: it? It actually has nothing to do with that side of it at all. It was like in 2003, um, starting of the the 2003 playoffs, a good friend of mine was a huge Red Wings fan. And he, uh, and I I like to kind of give him a hard time and rag him. And I was just kind of getting into hockey a little bit later than a bunch of my friends. Um, My parents never played hockey or anything growing up. So it was kind of a, like I've said before, we were more Mm -hmm. of a curling and baseball family. But so getting into it, and I just cheered against the Red Wings, and that was the uh, the postseason that J.S. Chikar yes. goes on the miraculous run. They sweep the Wings, a uh, couple overtime uh, marathons against Dallas, sweep the Wild, and then go on to lose in seven in the Cup Finals to Jersey. But it was it was introduced me to seeing one player in a team sport such as hockey mm-hmm. make such a difference. That J.S. Shegirdi with that O three Ducks team, and of course, I was very fortunate enough. They had a very bad season the next year, but go on to win the Cup only a few years later. Um, after losing in the Conference Finals to the Oilers in thanks six. Thanks to Chris Pronger. So ex- yes, very much in, in part thanks to Chris Pronger. Shout out to uh, Prongs. Shout out to jo- <laughs> yeah. Shout out local boy oh, Joffrey Loup for easy. being in the uh, being a big part of that trade package, and <laughs> our host Laddie Schmid. Yes, uh, as part well. of the so package. Yeah. part of it as well. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of it was. Just circumstance and happenstance is like not this. Like I'm a Texans fan in the NFL because when I was getting into football, playing Madden the video game, that's the team that drafted my creative player. So that's a little bit more of a simple thing. But my my lore with the Ducks is. Um, pretty long. I'm not a bandwagon guy. I've been on with them for uh, for 20 years now. And but it's uh, more of a hatred of the wings. Well, that's how it started for sure. But uh, and not even a hatred, more so just like, yeah, hey, buddy, guy, I'm cheering <laughs> against you here in this round. And I was like, this guy's incredible. He's single handedly winning these games for
0: for this team. So like, Trevor Zegers is your favorite player of all time. I,
3: I'm more of a Troy Terry guy okay. in terms of the current the current okay. um, outlook of the team, but. Uh, I do love Zegers. I a lot of flack got thrown at the Ducks and stuff for that contract. We had Frank talk about <laughs> yeah. it when he was on a few Should have been longer, you I, felt? I, I, no, I actually oh. think it works out well oh. for both sides because I'm not sure Pat Verbeek is convinced that Trevor Zegers can be a, um, you know, Mm-hmm. top-tier elite player in the same echelon as, say, a Jack Hughes, who is uh, his most direct comparable, and they're good buddies as well. But like I, my personal opinion from watching Trevor Zegers over the first couple years, I see him probably topping out as a 90-point player, likely a point-per-game player as mm-hmm. the Ducks uh, increase. Very good on the power play. Obviously, it'll be a special teams nightmare for teams for a long time. But I think Troy Terry and Mason McTavish are much more the uh, the future of that like nightly, dominant offense of the Ducks.
0: Uh, tech's coming in. To 1 uh, 833 And you can also send me a personal email to my uh, email here at kevin at sports1440.ca. You're more than welcome to send that. But also, this kind of coincides, and this is a, an email coming in to uh, uh, kevin at sports1440.ca. Uh, Today in 1908, Duke. What happened in Edmonton sports history? I just found this just about an hour ago. 1908. 1908. Today in Edmonton sports history. Well, the Edmonton Rugby Club reorganized itself to the name Eskimo. Now, it was spelt back in 1908, E-S-Q-I, sorry, E-S-Q-U-I-M-O-U-X which coincides with this email that just came in. And I actually noticed this on Saturday afternoon. Uh, This email comes in from Steve. uh, Hey, Kevin, isn't it about time to get a new piece of turf in the end zones at Commonwealth Stadium so we can get rid of the Eskimos lettering that is still imprinted into the rug? The word Elks isn't long enough to cover it up. So you can clearly see our old name, especially on a sunny day like Saturday. Uh, we can do better than that, Steve. I actually did notice that on Saturday because, again, in the way the the sun hits it, you can see the bottom. Well, the good thing is that now you don't have to worry about anything because everything is going to be getting. Well, I'm not sure if that gets ripped up in that part of the stadium, but everything's going to be covered up right now for the Heritage Classic that comes up in well less than two weeks on the 29th, uh, five o'clock start time. Uh, between the Oilers and the Calgary Flames. But before that, the Oilers have two games on the road. Nashville, Philadelphia, then back here Saturday night, Winnipeg Jets are here. So you didn't know that in uh, what happened, Duke, in 1908. You're not up to, up to snuff there on, we go. on the
3: Edmonton sports history. My, uh, my Monday morning fact. It's a wealth factoid. of knowledge
0: on this side of the computers and the board and everything, Duke. <laughs> like, I mean... You got to study. You got to go, you know, you got to go deep into You got to go down down in the Edmonton Sports Archives. Have you ever done that?
3: Do those actually exist down at the, oh. Edmonton, like at the Edmonton Public Library? Yeah, the library. Am I going down to the library and asking, go. can you pull me the sports archives?
0: I can pull you whatever you want. Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame. You go down there, there's a bunch of stuff.
3: I prefer the Alberta Sports Hall of Fame uh, in located just outside my neck of the woods, <laughs> right on the side of the highway. Very fun place to check out if you're traveling through.
0: Last time... I haven't been there for a few years. I was there for Joey Moss's induction. That was a while back. I got a great picture, Joey and I, at the induction ceremony. That was a a real cool, uh, cool thing for sure. Uh, when we come back top of the hour, we will check in with Michael McGarry, uh, He's with Press of Atlantic City covering the Philadelphia Phillies, so that series gets underway uh, tonight. one uh, nothing, Houston down to Texas. Uh, tonight it's Fromber Valdez against Nate Ovaldi in game number two. Did you know that uh, Texas, uh, 8-32 going into last night's game at Minute Maid Park, Jordan Montgomery threw an absolute gem. At uh, 10-20, Lawal Uguac from the Montreal Alouettes and the former Harry Ainley Titan will guest with us. Uh, so we got a jam-packed ten o'clock hour. Stay with us. Uh, before that, here's the Duke with a sports update.